Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week, we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 151, Myth Movie Night, Hocus Pocus. I still cannot believe that you never watched this as part of your childhood. I I feel like in a lot of ways, you are max in that you had to spend most of your childhood (laughs) taking care of your younger siblings. So I understand it, but I still, it's wild to me. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. This is one of my favorite myth movie nights to date, and we get really into witchcraft, into history. We recommend some primary sources. So absolutely, we hope that everyone else enjoys it too. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. And if you love everything witchy and Halloween season, Hocus Pocus is a very nostalgic movie for that. You know who I would follow into a, a closed and haunted museum? Um, a, a bold choice. Would it be our new patrons? Our new patrons, Morgan, Alpha Dogs, Quinn the Unicorn, Talia, Carla, Anna, Lindsay, and New Dude. Welcome. You join the ranks of such illustrious and exploratory patrons as our supporting producer level supporters, Deborah, Molly, Megan, Skyla, Samantha, Sammy, Josie, Neil, Jessica, and Phil Fresh, and our legend level patrons, Emily, James, BME Up Scotty, Audra, Chris, Mark, Ayla, Cody, Mr. Folk, Sarah, and Jack Marie. Yeah, I would crack open a bottle of wine with any of those folks that you just listed. Uh, Speaking of which, our wine was so good this episode, Julia. Tell the people all about it. Thank you. It was the Flora Springs Ghost Winery Red, which I stumbled across. And usually I don't buy wine just because of the label and the name, but the label is so good here. The label design on the bottle looks as if Matisse designed a Halloween feast. Oh, shit. And it, it's incredible. It's uh, it's actually a red blend. It's like mostly Cabernet and then a little bit of Merlot, Syrah, and Cabernet Franc. And honestly, like really good. Kind of like tastes like chocolate-covered raisins-esque, like dark chocolate-covered raisin, like a little bit of plumminess to it, but also like really beautiful chocolate notes. Anyway, I was really happy with it. Yum. Me too. And speaking of which, do you have any other amazing recommendations for me and for the audience? Yeah, I actually, I just picked up a book and it got delivered right before I left for Boston this past weekend. Uh, it's called Folk Magic and Healing, An Unusual History of Everyday Plants by Fez Inkright. And it's beautifully illustrated. There's both like practical uses for plants and also like the historical and spiritual reasons that these plants were used in like witchcraft in the past. And I absolutely adored it. It's really, really cool. I cannot wait to read it after you. It looks absolutely amazing. I just it's it's gorgeous. I keep looking at it. I'm just like, I don't even want to open it. The cover is just so beautiful. And then the inside is absolutely beautiful as well. Well, much like a a great book recommendation between friends, this week we'd like to ask you all, our conspirators, to support the show by recommending it to a friend. We hear from so many of you at live shows like, hey, I started listening to Spirits and this is my best friend who I made listen to the show. And it's so heartwarming for us to see you spread the show, yes, so that it can grow and, and we can keep doing this for a living, but also because it's just a wonderful thing to bond over. And if you're the kind of person who likes the sort of thing we talk about on Spirits, we know that it can be challenging sometimes to find people and communities that get you. So we hope we can be a place like that for all of you. And the more people you bring in, like, that's heartwarming. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. We love sharing the show with you. And we love that you enjoy sharing the show with your friends and family. So thank you to all those who have recommended the show so far. Welcome to anybody for whom this is your first episode. Your friends did good. And without further ado, enjoy Spirits Podcast Episode 151, Myth Movie Night, Hocus Pocus. So today on Myth Movie Night, 
Amanda made me relive some childhood trauma. Oh, no. I didn't know it was traumatic. What do you mean? It's not traumatic. It just reminded me how much I was in love with a talking cat when I was younger, which is a little bit traumatic when you're 27 years old. That's true. And uh, yeah, that cat that cat goes through many traumatic things in this movie. He does. It's very upsetting. But I appreciate your sacrifice here, Julia, because like many cultural touchstones of the 90s, I've never seen Hocus Pocus until now. I just can't believe that. Bette Midler's in it, Amanda. I know. I had no idea. Also, Sarah Jessica Parker, who is shockingly like a very good comic actor. Yes. No, she's hilarious. It's a very good role for her. Yeah. But listen, while this might not be the the most mythological of movies, I do think it's kind of the the epitome of like American Halloween tradition and like the pop culture understanding of witches. And it was super entertaining. It, I think, gives us a lot to talk about in regards to like Salem and witch trials. And I just I really enjoyed the movie. And I think it's a wonderful way to welcome Halloween to this month. I know. I'm, I'm so proud every time I get to show you like a cultural touchstone that is relevant to Halloween season. It makes me so happy. Well, listen, I made a list of the things I knew about this movie going in. Okay. And then the it. list had one bullet, which is that gif of the three witches and a cauldron. Okay, interesting. I don't know which gif you're talking about, too, which makes no, it me neither. somehow worse. I think it was one of the first, like, views of them that we see, like the three of them in the house. Ah, okay, interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, Amanda, do you want to get started on the summary, then? And we can kind of hit some bullets as we go. Love it. All right. So we open up on a book that politely tells us what year it is, which is very kind it of sure them. does. It is very 1693. Kind. And I was immediately like, wait, this isn't contemporary? Oh, fuck. I have a lot of misconceptions about this movie. <laughs> Very good. Uh, also, on the book, there's a bunch of, like, astrological symbols. Like, that's, ooh, scary. Yes, definitely the same exact tradition. <laughs> definitely, definitely not something anyone is familiar with. Anyway, so we uh, we see the shadow of a witch flying over uh, a small town, which we later learn is Salem. Thackeray Binks wakes up to his little sister missing and uh, hear the creepy little Come Little Children song in the background, which is one of my favorites. Yeah, I've recently been reading the uh, Parasol Protectorate series at the recommendation of several spirits listeners, which uh, I enjoyed. I, I loved the first book and then my, my enjoyment kind of diminished a little bit, but it was very entertaining and it takes place in Victorian London. Um, and so I was immediately like, oh my God, why is he outside in his like undershirt? He would never be be outside without a tunic because it is very concerned with like proper fashion. It's also October 31st. It is cold yeah. out there, my dude. It is cold out there in Massachusetts. Yeah. So we see Emily following someone, we later revealed too, uh, towards the woods where, quote, they're conjuring. There's weird colored smoke coming out of the woods. There is pink smoke. And I watched this on uh, Freeform, which um, advertised that they have those kind of like annotated versions of the movies, like little oh. fun facts and stuff, uh, which was very sweet. But the one that they kept showing in the promotion was that shot of the pink smoke rising out of the woods. And then the the like little um, tidbit was the witches have elected a new pope, which might be the funniest joke I've ever heard. That is <laughs> extremely good. Fucking hilarious. Oh, my God. That's very, extremely very good. good. He follows her into the woods where she is uh, shown going into the witch's house. Uh, the witches are named Winifred or Winnie, Sarah and Mary, you know, just because they need names. It turns out that they have this weird grimoire, which they call the spell book. I was like convinced that they actually called it a grimoire, but too too complicated, too much uh, terminology for Disney Channel. So, well, tell me about the grimoire. What what does it mean, and how does it differ from like a, a generic spell book? So, a grimoire is 
technically, you know, it's usually known as a book of spells. It's more of a like a textbook of magic rather than a, a spell book, which I guess usually is uh, specifically just spells. But this also shows how to create magical objects like talismans or like amulets and stuff like that. Uh, it has information about different deities and spirits and demons and angels and whatnot. Uh, a lot of people tend to write their own grimoires, which we find out is not the case in Hocus Pocus, because it is specifically said in the plot that Winifred is given hers by the devil himself. Yep, master. Which is not how that works at all. We'll talk about the, uh, like, just wrongness of the witchcraft in Hocus Pocus later on. Maybe like Moses with the tablets style, she was uh, like anti-divinely inspired to write it all down herself. But no, it sounds like this book was given to her directly by the devil. And he has a little, little blinking eye. He does. He, he seems alive. He's able to answer calls. He floats through the air at points. It's very interesting. Uh, but the they uh, go to make a life potion, quote unquote life potion, uh, to absorb Emily's youth. Because that's a thing all witches want to do is be young and beautiful all the time, clearly. Uh-oh. Uh, but being Patriarchy. Patriarchy yeah. calling. Oof. Whack, whack, whack. Sorry, that's a patriarchy alarm. <laughs> I like the patriarchy alarm. Thank you Sounds a little bit like a duck, but uh, it's not. Is it the uh, untitled goose? No, Julia, because the untitled goose is pure and Antifa, and he, the patriarchy is not. He also go hunk. Honk. All right. Uh, Binks manages to spill the potion before it can be used, uh, but he is subdued by Winnie, who uses weird electric magic. Sure. Why not? I also uh, thought you'd be very proud of me, Julia. I correctly identified the actor that plays Binks as that guy from NCIS. Is it the guy from NCIS? Hold on. Yes. Who I thought was Tom Hanks' son. He's Bill Murray's son. It's Sean Murray. Did you know, though, Amanda, that he plays Thackeray Binks, but Thackeray Binks the cat is voiced by a different person. No, I didn't know that. It's voiced by James Marsden. No! Yeah. Which is why I had such a big crush on this talking cat. Oh shit, Julia, that's very good. Also, I want to point out that as he's turned into a cat, um, the cat casting is extremely good. The cat looks extremely mean and like, or not mean, I guess, but, uh, you know, rightfully upset. Yeah. Yeah. And I really liked that. I thought you meant like the casting that goes into making him into a cat, like the CGI effect. Oh, the spell casting. Mm-hmm. But I also appreciate that you appreciate the cat actor who played Vinks. I did. It's very good. Uh, so they punish- had a good name like Mittens. Yeah. So I actually like the name Binks. I don't know. Yeah. It feels like a good cat name. It does. It has an X in it, kind of spooky. Mm -hmm. So they punish Binks, as Amanda said, by making him live forever as a cat. So not only is he turned into a cat, but he is now an immortal cat. Because why not? Which sucks for Binks, but like, fuck, man, these witches are fun. Yeah. (laughs) They're they're funny. They're great. They're singing. They are well-dressed. They have a lot of rings, which I've always wanted, but my fingers are big. Uh, Yeah. They're also immediately interrupted by an angry mob. The scene where they're just like, we're just old ladies in the woods. I'm like, that's actually how it was, though. They weren't just old ladies in the woods. They weren't stealing children. And I have recommended it uh, on the show before. But the book The Witches by Stacey Schiff is a like exhaustively researched account of the Salem witch trials. And it is devastating for a lot of reasons, uh, particularly kind of patriarchy and um, just like religious kind of groupthink. But it was absolutely fascinating. I think about it all the time. And for more context on 
on how this would actually happen, which often involved targeting vulnerable people and those who just kind of seemed different or like didn't show up to church one weekend. I seriously recommend it. Yeah, it is a very good read for the Halloween season and a reminder that a lot of the stuff going on in Salem is tourist trappy and kind of mocks the memory of these people who were, you know, subsequently tortured and killed. I got a lot out of it. It wasn't just kind of like, oh, this is a sad thing. I'm going to dwell on it. It really had a lot of lessons for me. So that's The Witches by Stacey Schiff. Yes. Maybe we'll make that our recommendation of the week. Again, I mean, I'll recommend yeah. it twice. She also wrote a good book about Cleopatra. Damn, she's great. So they are interrupted by the angry mob and they are hanged as witches. But before they do, they put a curse on the town where they can return back to life, which becomes important later, Amanda, since you thought this was a period piece. So we cut to modern day from there with the teacher telling the story and also mentioning the black cat that still guards the house. <laughs> so wonderful. What a good storyteller. I want to know everything about this woman. <laughs> we also are introduced to Max Dennison, who has moved from California to Salem, and he is a skeptic about all things Halloween. Also, Amanda, do you know who almost played Max Dennison? Too old for Matt Damon. Probably not Heath Ledger. Mm-mm. Think of like 90s heartthrob and also Shakespeare. Leo DiCaprio. It was. Leonardo DiCaprio was originally offered the role, but he uh, declined because he was pursuing a movie called What's Eating Gilbert Grape? (laughs) I have heard of that movie. I can't tell you any facts about it. No, it's just the name. It's perfect. Man, every time I hear these alternate casting things, I'm just like, Leo seems like such a a brooder to me. Like, he's such just like that guy in Inception and also a very, like, suave Romeo. So Mm -hmm. I I couldn't imagine him playing Max. But Max has a wonderful tie-dye. He is very smooth and kind of flirts with his classmate, Allison. Um, And even though he is a skeptic, I feel like he takes on the teachers like, what's wrong, Max, with with some amount of grace. Yeah, no. I'm surprised you call him smooth because the flirting that happens, I don't consider that particularly smooth. But I mean, looking back, it's not. But for a high schooler who is not like a misogynist, then I, I, th- I thought it was pretty good. He said something about Jimi Hendrix. And I was just like, what are you talking about? I don't know. I also love that he has like a gigantic tie-dye tapestry in his bedroom, which uh, just m- melds in with his shirt. So in her rebuttal to Max saying, what was the quote? Max says something along the lines of Halloween was just invented by Big Candy. And I'm like, that yes. is a wild statement you just made, sir. Allison says something to the effect of Halloween was originally called All Saints Day, which is true, but it's also not the entire backstory, because as we know, uh, Samhain was the first. And then as Christianity entered Celtic traditions, Samhain became All Saints Day. So as we've talked about on the show before, Samhain was basically where people would light bonfires and wear costumes and have feasts in order to ward off ghosts and other spirits. Yeah. And she says, too, that this is the day where the like mortal and the supernatural planes are the closest, which is pretty accurate. Yeah, it's just a like bad 90s version of accurate, I suppose. Yeah. And uh, for more on that, I loved our Dia de los Muertos episode last year with Trina Espinoza. And if you want to learn more about that sort of like worlds being close and ways in which the barrier between the worlds is permeable and how that's recognized in Mexican and Hispanic culture, 
definitely go check it out. Max ends up leaving the school and we get some really, really nice shots of the town of Salem and also Marblehead, which is where they primarily filmed the outdoor stuff. And then anything indoors was filmed, you know, in Burbank in a sound studio. But they did a lot of the scouting and the filming for outdoor things in Salem, which I thought really gave it that vibe. Made me yearn to go pumpkin picking. Yes, yearn for it. For sure. It really sets the mood. So we also meet the dumb town bullies uh, who basically try to like ask him for cigarettes and then he's like, I don't smoke. And then they shake him down for cash and then eventually just steal his sneakers. Yeah. I mean, I guess before iPhones, the the most you could steal from a given person is just their sneakers or skateboard. Also, sneakers expensive. That's true. I am wearing a very nice pink suede Nikes that Mabo got me last year and they're very good and I would hate them to be stolen. Also, they're very hard to lace up. So it would just be very involved. Yeah. It's also, again, end of October. His feet are probably very cold. Probably very cold. Also, uh, we we have to note, too, that Allison is wearing a red riding hood style cloak. And so I totally thought she was going to be a witch. I missed that entirely, but I'm also not surprised in the slightest. Oh, yeah. yeah. Outside of school, uh, she sort of or he approaches her and then she gives him what he thinks is her phone number. But instead, it's the same piece of paper that he wrote, which just has three digits on it. Five, five, five. Um, we see her wonderful red cloak. And I was like, oh, my God, like beautiful girl, auburn hair. Definitely a witch. Oh, yeah. No, I love that. That's very very, very cute. What an outfit. Unfortunately not. What a 90s outfit. He gets home. His room is extremely cool. Julia, he has stairs to the pergola in his room. Yeah. I think it's a widow's peak, technically. Oh, it's yes. Because like, it's New England. Because why not? I mean, whatever. It's very cool. And you can, like, do... You can, like, stomp down the stairs in the privacy of your own room after slamming the door. Like, that's teenage goals. I love that. In his room, he is scared by his little sister, Danny, who kind of like pops out of his closet. Adorable. With a very cool, yeah, like through the closet, handheld shot, like breathing noises. I was uh, I was extremely, extremely willing for this to take a dark turn. But instead, it was just the sister. Um, but Max stupidly said the name of his crush because now his sister knows. Yes. Oh, he's Allison. Ooh, Allison. I love... Who just whispers the crush's name? No, he's, that's weird. Don't do that. And like holds a pillow pretending it's her. Anyway, um, Danny tells him that he has to take her trick-or-treating as per their parents' instruction because they are going to a party in the middle of town. He just starts drumming during this conversation, which I'm like, mm, yeah, cool. <laughs> 790s. Definitely a, a way to like blast blast some metal and drum, and that's all I need to do. Definitely was in a punk band back in California. Yeah, I, I feel like he's also really shaping up to be like a Tinder fish guy because he has like bass sheets, <laughs> and I thought that was very funny. I think that it's like they just moved into the house, so he hasn't changed it to like his vibe yet. I understand. I just thought it was funny and very sweet, kind of like you know the the little boy things that stick around even when you're a teenager. That's fair. I get it. Uh, so they end up going trick-or-treating. At one point, they ask Max what he is, and he goes, I'm a rap artist. And I'm like, what is happening? You're in sunglasses and a hat. Yeah, it's uh, it's extremely puzzling. Yeah. So during trick-or-treating, they run into the bullies again. Uh, Danny basically embarrasses Max, but he is able to de-escalate the situation by giving the bullies his candy. And then Danny gets upset because he snaps at her, and they have a very, like, brother-sister I, I'm just mad because we moved here and this sucks, but I'm not mad at you conversation. Which is good emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, Max, despite being a little bit of a dick, is also like aware enough to not always be a dick, which is important. 
definitely. And I love this uh, this early 90s parenting where the parents are like off partying and the, you know, teenager has to supervise the slightly younger child. Mm-hmm. Sounds right. Feels right. So Max apologizes and they go to a very fancy house that turns out to be Allison's. She's definitely a daughter of the revolution calling it now. Oh, 100%. 100%. She's dressed in like revolutionary garb everyone there is in like masks and also like pantyhose not that's not the word i'm looking for pantaloons yes yes sure she uh she has that lauren shippen lineage she does she has that lauren shippen lineage but we also get a very good sister ex machina here where uh little sister is immediately like oh yeah you're allison max likes your yabos yeah it's like oh i couldn't wear that dress because i don't have what are they called max yabos i was like oh my god it's this extraordinarily embarrassing i had to pause refill my wine like it was it was extraordinarily uncomfortable uh but allison also moves the plot along because she tells them about the sanderson house museum which has since closed down which always makes me sad when someone's like oh it was museum but now it's closed because funding i was like i'm so sorry rip Um, rip rip funding rip max says they should go but danny is reluctant because the kids at school have told her about it and she's like that place is creepy and he's like i want to impress this girl that i like and she's like fine so they get to the house allison tells them about the spell book apparently this is where we hear about that it was given to winifred from the devil himself it is bound in human skin Fun. Yikes. And it has the recipes for all of Winifred's most powerful spells. That's true. I've always thought of a spell book as kind of a, a reference book, but I'm glad to know the context of the grimoire. Um, it seems like maybe the spell book is where you do sort of note down or take notes on the spells that most interest you, but the grimoire is more of the like encyclopedia style reference book. Yes, for sure. So we also see the very important black flame candle, which he's going to light it, Julia. He's going to light it. Shouldn't light it, but he's going to. Yeah, um, apparently it's made from the fat of a hangman sure why not uh and it raises the spirits of the dead if it's lit by a virgin on halloween night the term virgin comes up a lot here in this disney movie and And listen for anyone for anyone who needs uh needs us to say it that's not a real thing societal construction there's no there's there's nothing you lose nothing you gain there's not a hard line it's yeah you're fine but anyway they say it a lot in this film it becomes very important in terms of the film I must say, this is, though, the one, like, going into a bad situation motivation that kind of holds water for me. Like, if I had a crush on Allison, I, too, would follow her to the depths of the earth, like, including a haunted house and or graveyard, maybe on Halloween night. Like, I I totally get it. Yeah. Amanda, you would do anything for a hot girl. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Listen. In my younger, unattached days, I would. So Max is attacked by a black cat um, when he tries to light it, but he manages to just kind of toss the cat off and lights it anyway like an idiot. Yep. Don't do it, Max. Um, The floor glows green and rumbles, and you assume that the witches are going to, like, appear from underneath the floor. But nah, they just kind of enter from the front door for some reason. It was very cool, though. Like, the effects were extremely good. There was wind. The light bulbs, like, exploded and then got replaced with candles or the candles, like, got got, uh, lit. It was very neat. And having them appear from outside the door, I, like, did a little gasp. Like, it was was really cool. I liked it. We also see that the witches have not aged since they were able to de-age themselves with Emily's spirit or what have you. Winifred wakes up her spell book while Mary attempts to sniff out the children. Because that's her skill. I love that as a skill. It's very it's giant in very good. Jack and the Beanstalk-esque. 
They find Danny, who pretends that she lit the candle because she's dressed as a witch. Um, they attempt to basically eat her, and then Max has to intervene, but again is attacked by Winnie the same way that Binks was attacked by Winnie with the weird lightning nonsense. They are both saved by Allison and Binks, and they escape when Max sets off the fire sprinklers, saying it's very the, smart, like rain of death or something like that. You know, who was not as smart as Max, Julia, unfortunately, that bride at the hotel for your wedding. Oh, yeah. So that's a fun story. Just real quick aside. So for my wedding, we booked a block of hotel rooms at a hotel where there were like two other weddings happening the same weekend. And before I got there, at least, uh, Amanda informed me. As soon as we walked in. That the sprinkler system went off because a bride hung her wedding dress from one of the sprinkler heads, which activates the sprinkler head for the whole building. Yeah, it was clearly labeled uh, uh, do not hang. And we felt super bad for her. I think everything worked out because her wedding was like either later or the next day. Like it, it was okay. Um, but it was it was extraordinarily uh, loud and wet when we walked in the hotel. We were like, what's happening? Yeah, so uh, don't do that. Read signs and listen to them. And don't light lighters under the sprinkler system unless you really need to. Yeah, don't do that. So once they've escaped, Binks reveals that he can talk. He instructs Whoa, Max twist. to grab the spell book. Very good. Very important. Um, the sisters try to pursue the group, but they are scared off by a fire truck because the fire alarm went off. This is very good. I really like the plot points here. So Binks takes them to a graveyard because it's quote unquote hallowed ground. So the witches can't step foot on it. Uh, sure, whatever. He also shows them the grave of Billy Butcherson, who was Winifred's lover, but who cheated on her with Sarah. And so she poisoned him and sewed his mouth shut with a dull needle so he couldn't share her secrets even in death. That's a direct quote from this movie. Mm-hmm. Very, very intense. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this doesn't seem like, is this just flavor for, you know, showing that Winnie sucks? Um, which, okay, also she, like, got revenge on a guy that cheated on her. I don't, I'm not feeling bad for this gentleman. No, super relatable. In a later scene, Winnie reveals that the magic that brought them back only works for the night and that they need to use the life potion in order to stay alive forever. But if they don't use it, they'll get turned into dust. 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 The worst possible fate. Dust. I don't know, man. As I was watching Buffy, I got extremely scared of dust. Yeah, that's fair. Fair and valid. Uh, don't, don't take Spike. Don't take him. Biggs reveals that with his immortality, he has been around to protect the house and prevent people from lighting the candles to the witch's return for 300 years. Well, Binks, sluts on the job, buddy. Yeah, well, he tried and Max was the only stubborn asshole not to be scared off by a cat. So Max then tries to burn the spell book, but as Biggs points out, it is protected by magic. And then the witches fly in and they try to steal the book back, but they can't, you know, be on the ground because it's hallowed. So um, what they do is they raise Billy Butcherson. Turnaround time is quick on Billy Butcherson. They send him after the kids. There's a lot of like insults being thrown by Winifred. Be like, hey, you asshole, go get those kids for me. Billy's also like weirdly hot. Like not to me, but I feel like he was cast as like a hunk. And that really uh, puzzled me. Zombie hunk, you know, that doesn't appeal to you at all? I mean, I don't know. I, I'm sure there are sexy zombie costumes out there for sale. Billy Butcherson was played by Doug Jones. You might know him from stuff like um, The Shape of Water and Hellboy and Pan's Labyrinth. He's usually behind a lot of makeup. Oh, I was going to say, I don't know who this guy is, but looking at his face, I do know who he is. Amazing. He plays the fish guy in Shape of Water. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. 
Anyway, love Doug Jones. Fantastic actor. Usually behind a lot of makeup. Max manages to behead Billy, um, but he continues moving around, basically showing that he is also like a, a zombie or a ghoul or something to that effect. And I noted at this point, like there is some very good effects and physical comedy here. Like I am, I am really impressed. I liked it a lot. Yes, it is a genuinely funny movie. Like there are multiple times where I was like, that's a good joke. Um, also, Winnie at one point calls him a maggot museum, which I feel like is a very good <laughs> insult. I also really loved Bubble Bubble, I'm in Trouble, which was just a delicious little rhyme. Oh boy, I didn't even hear that one. I like that a lot. Extremely good. The kids fall into a crypt and then escape through some tunnels because they're attached to the sewer. Why not? Classic sure. Massachusetts. Oh, just fix your infrastructure, please. Okay. So the witches get hit on by a bus driver next. That's a thing that happens. They do. I, I will say, though, it's it's very real that they would be amazed by, like, pavement and clean water. Yes. Um, this always reminds me, which I think I mentioned before on the show, but uh, I took, like, a Shakespeare tour of Stratford-upon-Avon, mm-hmm. and the tour guide was like, yeah, the thing that Shakespeare would be most immediately amazed by in the modern world is glass, because at the time, glass was, like, super cloudy and very small, and having, like, giant sheets of glass would be just kind of unfathomable. Yeah, no, that's very cool. I loved the whole thing. They were like, it's a black river. And they throw poor Sarah onto it. And she's like, oh, it's it's solid. We can walk yeah, upon it. it. And she's like, this, this is, is a road. <laughs> the bus driver, though, very patient and willing to answer their questions because he wanted to hit on all of them. All Some of, of them. them. No, he was very attracted to all of them. It was just that Sarah's the one that ended up in his lap driving the bus, which mm-hmm. eventually runs over Binks. And we see him just cat squished. It was terrifying it was so it was so bad it was so graphic and i was like he must come back to life but even so for those like 15 seconds i was like genuinely upset yeah and then he reinflates and he's like yeah i can't die that sucks when that happens because apparently that happens a lot he's like yeah, i can't die because of the witch's curse and they're like well you know we'll take care of you it's fine I think, Julia, I may need a bit of a refill to to reconstitute myself before we move on to the back half of the movie. Okay, let's not think about Binks being squashed by a car anymore. Nope, drink to forget. So, Amanda, this week I was up in Boston for Pod Tales, which is a audio fiction first year conference, and I really, really enjoyed myself. But I kind of like, I was a little nervous because I wanted to be prepared for it. And I was going to speak on a few panels. And I thought, what better way of like preparing for this conference than taking a Skillshare class and then, you know, sharing what I learned. That sounds awesome. What class did you do? So I took a class called Writing for Online Engagement, Fiction in a Digital World by Rebecca Skye, who's a YA author. And it's just all about how to like build a community around the work that you're creating. So getting your work out there for people who are going to love it and are enthusiastic and excited about the things that you're doing. Amazing. And where can our listeners take that course if they wanted to? Well, they could take it at Skillshare. So Skillshare is an online learning community for creators that now has over 25,000 classes to help fuel your curiosity, your creativity, and your career. So you can take classes and stuff like, for instance, online community engagement or also mobile photography, creative writing, illustration. You were taking that macrame class and that's incredible. That's so cool. So you can join millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for our listeners. To sign up, you can go to Skillshare.com slash Spirits2 for two free months of Skillshare Premium. That's Skillshare.com slash Spirits2 for two free months. Skillshare.com slash Spirits2. 
Julia, we're also sponsored by HoneyBook. And listen, running your own business, you get used to kind of doing it all. You know this too, as a person who does all kinds of things freelancing for yourself. And it's often very easy to like keep taking more and more onto your plate because you're used to just doing it all yourself. But sometimes it's necessary to ask for help or to pay a professional or to use a service that will help you save time and get back to the stuff that you really love doing. And HoneyBook is a huge time saver for me as a person who struggles with delegation and is trying to be better about that. HoneyBook is one of those tools that I really rely on. They are an online business management tool so you can organize client communications, bookings, contracts, invoices, all that kind of stuff all in one place. And it helps you run your business better. There are professional templates, e-signatures, automation, kind of all those small things that save you, you know, five minutes here and there and really adds up over time. So right now you can get 50% off your first year of HoneyBook. That applies to both monthly and annual plans. So if like me, you are trying to be really wise with your spending, it will still apply. That's honeybook.com slash spirits for 50% off your first year. Honeybook.com slash spirits. Listener, if you are listening to this show, we think you're probably a big fan of fantasy books. So we're going to take a moment and encourage you to check out the new book by fantasy author Garth Nix, Angel Mage, which is uh, brought to you by Epic Reads. It's a really wonderful style of magic where people make icons that get imbued with kind of the uh, power and spirit of an angel. And it's not in any particular like religious order. These are just kind of like ephemeral beings that live in a different world you can call upon to help you with different tasks. And my favorite part is actually that it's like a prosperous society, unlike societies where it's like, you know, hard times of war and you have to, you know, camp and like make do and find your own goods. This is a, a world that is sort of in for a reckoning and being able to look at this the military leaders the you know hospital training system like the the way that the crown interacts with the sort of legislature like it's really fascinating and a thing that i really enjoy in my fantasy that kind of world building so you can get angel mage now anywhere that books and audiobooks are sold it's wonderful we both really enjoyed it that's angel mage by garth nix angel mage by garth nix pick it up at your local bookstore And now let's get back to the show. So the witches arrive in town after their uh, eventful bus trip with the uh, Mm -hmm. very horny bus driver. Uh, And they are extremely confused by the children in costumes. So they take all of them as literal. They think they're like hobgoblins and demons. At one point, the girl in an angel costume says, bless you, and they scream. There's also a like buck. Like I was looking at the TV and I was like, is that kid wearing like a cardboard Sonic costume? And he was because it was 1993 <laughs> at the time. And it was excellent. so jealous. It was so, so good. So the witches are very confused by this. And then they see a man dressed as the devil handing out candy and they take him as the actual devil. Who has very strong Jake vibes, I thought, at least in this moment, because he was like in an elaborate costume, elaborate decorations, really stoked to scare children. And it made me laugh. Invited three women into his home to hit on them. Not that part. Not that part. Before that part. Um, So also, interestingly, the guy who plays, quote unquote, the master and his wife uh, are both like really famous. They're a brother and sister famous comedy duo. So it's uh, Gary Marshall and Penny Marshall. Gary Marshall oh, so funny. was in The Odd Couple, and then Penny Marshall was in Laverne and Shirley. Amazing. Yeah, so like big like big names, surprisingly. And funny that they played each other's husband and wife when they're siblings. Anyway, very good. That that Dexter style. Sure. Or reverse Dexter, because they're a married couple played 
brother and sister. Ah, yes, true. So Max approaches a cop for help, but one, he doesn't believe them at all. And also he's just a dude dressed up as a motorcycle cop, like giving them shit basically and pretending to be a cop and then sending them on their way. And then the hot woman comes out and she's like, what's up, man? He's like, "Uh, some kids thought I was a real cop. It was very funny. It's a good movie. It's very, very funny. But to the witch's credit, they also do put together pretty quickly that Halloween uh, has become a night of mirth. Yes. uh, They are chased out of the house by the dog after the wife sees them dancing with the master. And she's like, oh, hell no, not going to happen. But yeah, so they realize that the costume children are just children. Meanwhile, the uh, kids go to look for their parents at the Halloween party at Town Hall uh, with a live band playing. But of course, their parents don't believe them, obviously. That's wouldn't be interesting if the parents did. Also, at some point, Max's dad calls uh, either one of his kids or Allison a young blood donut, which was extremely funny. Oh, it's Allison. He's like, oh, who's this young blood donut? Which it's very is good. Creepy dad. I just, I, I respect, um, I respect some like creepy uh, parents who like love what they love, and these strike me as like parents that cosplay, and I love it. Yes, and like the mom is dressed up as Madonna at one point, and with the like pointy nipple bra. And Danny oh, I didn't like, know what the reference was. Mom, what 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 are you dressed as? And she's like, Madonna. <laughs> um, but anyway, so the sisters show up, and Max tries to expose them by grabbing the mic from the band guy. Um, but instead, the sisters enchant the crowd with the like most famous part of this movie, which is the musical number. I put a spell on you, and now you're mine. It was so good. I want to watch this music video every day for the rest of my life. Yes. No, it's fantastic. It's like on all of the, if you find a Halloween playlist, this is like the number one edition. It's very, very good. And it's incredible. Bette Midler crushes it. Absolutely. I didn't even care that there is absolutely no way they would know about uh, modern music because it was so good it didn't matter. No, but we also kind of established earlier on in the film that they put all of their spells on via like rhyming scheme. So yes. to put it to music makes so much sense. Maybe they're just like super smart and know how to adapt to the music they were hearing. But it was extremely good. Yes. No, I love it. It's fantastic. Um, so the kids escape again. They lure the sisters to the school and using the intercom and a like French education tape, they managed Very good. to lure them into a kiln, which I was like, how many schools have a kiln? I guess ones that heavily invested in like the arts, the material arts. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. It was extremely like graphic, though. Like they they trapped the witches in there and then they burned to death. Yeah. Only not to death. Yes. Uh, So the kids don't know that, though. So the kids celebrate their apparent win. Uh, Max basically adopts Binks as part of the family. Binks is like, you guys are going to turn me into a spoiled house cat. And Danny's like, it's okay because like I'm going to take care of you. And then my kids are going to take care of you. And then their kids are going to take care of you. I'm like, oh, I'm going to cry. My heart. Please take care of this boy who's also a cat. Uh, So they return home. Their parents are still dancing because the spell is still going on. And then it's revealed that the sisters, you know, they can't die on this day. They have until sunrise. So they're they're still going to return home no matter what. They also run into the bullies from earlier and they insult the witches. So they get kidnapped and taken back to the house and put in tiny little cages. It's adorable. Suits them. Yes. The problem is Winnie cannot remember the recipe for the life potion. So she tries to call the book back to her, which awakens, uh, which also wakes up the kids. And Allison and Max have this conversation where it's like, hey, maybe we can turn Binks human again. And they're like, oh, yeah, that would be that would be tight. So they open up the book, which signals to Winnie that they've opened up the book and where it is. And so Winnie goes out and does the thing. 
that pink Pope smoke is back. So the witches take flight on items from the storage closet because their brooms were stolen by children, including it's a regular broom, a mop, and then a vacuum cleaner, which is hilarious. It's very good. After the kids open the book, Binks scolds them for opening it in the first place. Uh, they learn that salt circles can protect them, which is kind of a plot point later on. Also, Max and Allison almost kiss, but they're interrupted by Danny being kidnapped by the witches. No times for kisses. When there's kidnapping no happen. times for kisses. Yeah. So Sarah uh, also summons children by singing her little Come Little Children song because they're like, what if we got all of the children instead of just one child? And they're like, excellent. Sounds great. Um, Allison figures out that they have only until the sun comes up because Winifred kind of let that slip or Sarah let that slip. I don't remember who exactly, but one of them does. So there's obviously religious tradition where celebrating things sundown to sunup or sundown to sundown are meaningful. Is there any evidence that we have that like witchcraft and spellcasting are tied to darkness and light? I think it's more of the implication of like darkness for spellcasting and darkness of night because again but this is the implication that like oh they're dark witches they're black witches they're evil witches so therefore you know of course they're associated with nighttime but i think it's more apparent that like it would make more sense from like you know sunset to sunrise or sunrise to sunset because we had no real like specific way of tracking time other than that that's true. And if it's, you know, this this like moment where it's all Hallow's Eve suddenly and the worlds are closest, then mm. maybe that gate starts closing in the daylight because of this, you know, connotation between like light and righteousness. Yeah, I think that's true and valid. And given that there is like a heavy Christianity vibe to the Salem witch trials and also, you know, therefore the witches in this story, that would make a lot of sense that like light is righteous. The kids attempt to save Danny, um, who is about to be fed the potion. He says daylight savings time, which is again, extremely good pun. Sure. Um, and so there's a red light that appears in the window. So the witches think that that's the rising sun and they panic. They're like, oh, our time is up. Uh. Uh, but really, it's the brake lights from Allison's car. Soon enough, the witches realize that they aren't dying uh, as the kids escape again. Uh, they escape into the cemetery again and are attacked by Billy. Max pulls a knife on Billy and then Billy takes the knife. But then he uses the knife not to stab Max, but instead to slit the stitches on his mouth so he can finally talk again. Billy. Billy. Oh, and then he just starts mouthing off and insulting Winnie. And it's it's rather wonderful of a comedic statement. Billy winds up on their side. He's kind of mad that he was cursed by Winnie and the witches. And he's not like super happy about it. So he's like, I'll just help you kids. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I just want to rest. Again, sort of, I mean, it's it's the opposite as to what really happened. Like, it isn't that evil women are exerting their influence and, like, you know, innocent men were wrapped up in it. Uh, it was very much the other way around, but um, it was it was entertaining, at least for this film. Yeah. So there's basically this final battle where the witches attack them on their brooms. Uh, Max manages to catch the potion after Winnie drops it. And uh, Winnie grabs Danny, so they want to do it like an equal exchange. He's like, give me Danny. She's like, give me the potion. And he's like, no. <laughs> so what he does is really, you know, brave, but also stupid. He drinks the potion, basically forcing the witches to take him instead of Danny. Very noble. So as the sun rises, Winifred is struggling to drain Max of his life force so that they can stay there. She manages to turn into stone as the sun rises, and then the other two explode into dust, and then she explodes into dust. 
I was very jealous. I want to become a fucking awesome statue when I die. Yeah, but then you turn into dust like two seconds after, so it's not as cool. I mean, not that part, ideally. <laughs> okay, fair, fair enough. You're just asking for the Medusa death is what you're asking for. Uh, Yes, but only if someone can like lovingly craft me into a beautiful and also flattering pose. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Sounds good, sounds good. Just requests. All right. Um, And then Binks dies. He does. And it's so sad. And I see why you were traumatized yeah, now. This devastated me. It was not any better as a 27-year-old as it was with like what I saw when I was five. I was just very, very I, it's upset. It's so sad, though. I get it. And like he does come back as a hot ghost. And that's fine. But, you know, it's sad. Yeah. Uh, so Billy, meanwhile, returns to his grave. Because he's like, ah, I could just go to sleep now forever. I know. It was very sweet. We do get to see the teen ghost of Binks, which is eh, whatever. So he is returned to Emily, which is, uh, you know, sweet and cute. And, you know, he gets to return to his family and stuff like that. And he has a really punny line where he's like, I had to wait 300 years for a virgin to light a candle. I was like, yeah, you did. That sucks. (laughs) It's a shitty curse. At least there's no virgin shaming going on. Like, this had to be one of the conditions of lighting the candle and, and bringing them back. But they don't, like, make fun of Max. The only time that he's ever, like, kind of made fun of is by the not cop when they're like, my brother's a virgin. And he, like, gets taken to oh, the side. And the cop's like, are you a virgin? He's like, yes. He's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to look for the small wins here, you know. Meanwhile, I'm, like, 90% sure the movie could have just ended there with, like, Binks walking into basically what is implied to be heaven with uh, Annie, yeah. but it doesn't. Um, the parents stop dancing in the credits. Uh, they're like, wow, this town can really party. We thought LA could party. <laughs> uh, and then the bullies are still stuck in the cages uh, singing Row, Row, Row Your Boat, which is hilarious. Uh, and then we see the spell book open its eye one more time. And then we go to oh, real no. credits. Spooky. Very spooky. So, Amanda, what'd you think of uh, Hocus Pocus? Reliving it now as a 27-year-old. I, I loved it very much. Uh, it probably has no relation at all to um, to witchcraft as we understand it, but that's what I rely on you for. In the meantime, I just really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. Again, it is like implied history of Salem rather than the actual history of Salem. So if you're going to enjoy this film, keep that in mind. Really keep in mind that the witches are great. And uh, despite the fact that they are in this trying to motivate themselves by, you know, killing children for youth. Um, They are also fantastic and like folksy and delightful and can sing like it's nobody's business. And I didn't know Sarah Jessica Parker can do some good physical comedy. She can. It was really good. Although I feel like we're not giving uh, Kathy Najimy like enough credit. She's also fantastic. Oh my God. Najimy, she's so good. (laughs) As soon as I saw her name in the credits, I screamed. No, she's great. I loved her in Sister Act too. She's like a lot of fun in that. Amazing. And she also does uh, some great voice acting work now. She was in uh, King of the Hill for a while and it's extremely good. I love a world where there's just like a bunch of women doing what they want to do. And maybe in this case, it involves kidnapping and murder. But, you know, listen. We all gotta, we all gotta make sacrifices. Yeah, just hopefully not other people's kids. Yeah, just uh, you know, uh, make sacrifices, blood sacrifice as long as it's your blood. That's fine. Uh-huh. That's true. Like, you know, food you buy and ethically source. Sacrifice your own things, not the things of others. That's all we ask for. That's a very good lesson. Um, Julia, did you ever have to pay or exert a candy tax on people on Halloween? You know what? I would always give the candies that I didn't like to my parents because we had very like different candy tastes. Smart. So uh, that's that's what I did. It was like, oh, Almond Joy, fuck you. <laughs> I never did. But as the oldest of four kids, I really should have. You really should have. I feel like I you think can... I was just I think I was so tired um, 
from from supervising like twins during trick-or-treating that I was just like, there's no more time. I'm tired. I have a headache. I'm going to go to sleep. Uh, but, that is fair uh, and valid, my friend. Yeah. But um, this Halloween, I am going to leave out a little bit of candy in the hallway for the multitude office and, you know, walk around and patron local businesses so I can just take a little tiny Milky Way on my way out. Nice. Uh, if you ever want to stop by the house, uh, Jake always dresses up as Michael Myers and scares the children of the neighborhood. So listeners, we will be back next week with a very special pre-Halloween episode, but I don't think it's ever too early to wish you a very happy Halloween. And remember, stay creepy, stay cool. Thanks again to our sponsors. At Skillshare.com slash spirits2, you can get two free months of Skillshare premium. At honeybook.com slash spirits, you can get half off your first year of Honeybook, either monthly or annual plan. And Angel Mage by Garth Nix is out now anywhere that books and audiobooks are sold. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us your urban legends at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Just $1 gets you access to audio extras with so much more available too. Recipe cards, director's commentaries, exclusive merch, and real physical gifts. We are a founding member of Multitude, a collective of independent audio professionals. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. And above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please share us with your friends. That is the very best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.